None of this intro so far is any good at all. This is this fuck is, you. This is I disagree. Garbage. We went on a just... whole act of the Christie murder mystery thing that I think it's going to get the audience's juices pumping. Well, what is your process? Yeah, do you just talk until it feels just bad enough? <laughs> that's what I do. That's the one. There's so many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast that's just bad enough. I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. And I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. And joining us today is Anne Houston, the general manager of Caveat, America's biggest little venue. That famous yeah. tagline. It's, it's the Reno of New York spaces, yes. I'll bring that to the team to uh, rebrand. Now we're never going to get a live show at Caveat. That's really... Sorry, guys. Real. Anne Houston is also married to someone involved with this podcast. But we won't But we're going to leave it up to you to figure it out. That's right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> mid, midway through the podcast, one of us will say "my spouse" uh, to like. Then we'll that'll help. We be we clarify. I don't. I don't think I. I but will it one, be I think that's already wrong, happened. The and two, it's not, it was me. It was me yes. just now. You said it. What was that? Whoa, whoa. Back was that your life? <laughs> You added, sure like syllables to clearer. it. So today we are all gathered here to talk about. Weeaboo things. A specific Weeaboo thing. A show that once aired on Adult Swim on Cartoon Network, owned by Ted Turner. A six installment <laughs> masterpiece. <laughs> a kaleidoscope. A fantasia, if you will, on national or perhaps international themes. Mm -hmm. A master yeah. of the form of irony. <laughs> a little I show. <laughs> That what is, is noted <laughs> by only the letters F, L, mm -hmm. C. Say it. Say the last one. And L. Brian, oh, today, you, are, folks, you, are, you are nothing. We are a talking about Furi. Oh my God. Furi. <sighs> oh God, that was. That was very satisfying, Brian. Was Thank it? you. Uh, uh, to be clear, Ted Turner, I don't think had anything to do with Fooly Cooly. It's actually his favorite anime. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you know this. Yeah. Ted yeah. Turner is a big anime fan. Jane Fonda got him really into it back <laughs> in the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> he was just in the corner, like, trying to recolor Citizen Kane. He's just like, oh, I just love this color. And I've never seen color before in my life. And then Jane Fonda was like, I know where you can find color Whoa. in Japan animation. <laughs> the impressions in this impressions. episode. We're, we're, yeah. we're not even 10 minutes in, and we've had two flawless impressions. So, uh, and you, I believe, specifically requested to, to come on to speak uh, on uh, Fooly Cooly. So... Tell us, uh, because, you know, I think, spoiler for the rest of the podcast, uh, this show rules. Uh, it fucking rocks. Yeah, and show up, AJ. Ruining it for everyone. Sorry. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's truly one of the... Did you get the, the irony thing when I said irony? Oh, because of the... Because oh, the, the... I'm, I'm getting it now. Because the giant there's iron. A big, there's a big oh, iron. It's the center oh. of the whole I thought series. you were doing a pacing I bit. I just no, thought I was doing just, an... I also thought it was a pacing bit. You were I doing mean, really of course it's a pacing bit, but it was also true. Everything I said was true. And why do you like Fooly Cooly? Yeah, why why do you want to talk about Fooly Cooly all yeah. these years later? <laughs> I'm breaking my silence finally after all these years. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, no. The so NDA is finally uh, expired. It's I can finally. And we applaud you for having the courage to come forward about Fooly Cooly. Thank Not you. many do. Thank you. Thank you. Um, few have in this way. So yeah, I mean, this was a show that uh, it, it was one of the first animes that I watched, and I watched it. It's a probably I think like summer two thousand six. Um, so like okay. kind of in that sweet spot in a way, I think for like a lot of people to sort of first experience this story, uh, even though it does, you know, focus and center on a character who is a little younger, but, um, right. I mean like it, it was sort of like a fever dream of an experience too. Cause it was uh late night on adult swim yeah. before, yeah. you know, the internet at my mom's house, like wasn't great before smartphones so like i didn't know what i was experiencing and i didn't really have any kind of way to (laughs) in the moment sort of figure it out and so uh yeah just sat and watched it and didn't know when it would end because you know it's only six episodes they just right. back to back. Right. I caught it right at the start. Was it in a full block? So you were able to sit down and watch it for episodes oh, one through six wild. in order? Yeah. yeah. That's Yeah, it really... was just all six. And I think it was like, you know, 3 a.m., <laughs> you know, summer, whatever, going into my junior year of high school or something just, like that. Just as it was ending, the sun was rising outside your window. Yeah, 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 thing. exactly. And that, that would make sense, too, because I'm, I'm just looking at like the original air date was 2003. But then it must have mm. been re- when it was in reruns, they would just do it as a solid mm. block. Yeah. And I remember. Well, that it, too. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, Adult Swim's anime block is like Saturday night. Like usually they run sort of their regular slate of original programming and Family Guy and whatever. And then Saturday is when they they have the anime after a couple hours of their original stuff. Right? Yeah, it is now. And I, I um, right, because like Toonami went away for a minute and then now Toonami's back. But mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm correct, it's sort of sharing yeah, so the, the original Toonami yeah. was uh, a regular, like, evening block on Cartoon Network. Right. So it was kid-friendly shows. It was DBZ and Sailor Moon, mm-hmm. Voltron, uh, Blue Submarine Number 6, uh, Ronin Warriors. Um, Which in a lot of ways I feel like that's... Right, uh, for a lot of people, sort of like their first exposure to anime is definitely in one me, way yeah. or another, sort of like Toonami or Adult Swim or the or the WB block. When Fooly Cooly aired on Adult Swim originally, which again was in two thousand three, yeah. at that point, some anime had made its way stateside, but certainly nothing like this by any stretch yeah, of the imagination. Yeah, it was really this. It was yeah. really the like stuff related to trading cards. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, or stuff that had been the like Voltron anime. isn't really anime. It's a completely new show that was made using old animation. And uh, they did the same thing with Macross cut religious references and offensive content and any sort of nudity or anything like that. And with Adult Swim, there was finally this idea that you could watch a show unedited. Yeah. And there was, I mean, whether that was true or not, (laughs) I I remember the intro to Adult Swim, too. Mm -hmm. And when they were like first introducing it, it was just a shot of a pool, like a live action pool and a (laughs) lifeguard from off camera screamed all kids out of the pool. It's time for Adult Swim. A little life, Mm, a little lifesaver would float by. Yeah. Um, And I and I remember watching that as a kid, like when the transition would flip over from, I think, um, after. Uh, 11 to midnight right it was 11 uh, 11 59 to midnight mm-hmm. um and it felt like i was committing a, the gravest sin yeah. by watching the show <laughs> and not being an adult yeah. it felt like i was breaking every fucking rule and fully cooly i think fully personifies 
everything that I felt like um, being a little rapscallion of a teenager would be because it is, I think, the ultimate show about puberty and not necessarily in terms of plot line, but in terms of the way it makes you feel inside Mm -hmm. and all of the emotions that puberty brings with it. uh, It it like seeps inside of you, this show, in a way that I don't think any other anime that I've I've seen has had this profound an impact on me. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was... Yeah, uh, how much of that is like the 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 timing of it too like when it came out and, and when i personally first saw it too right like you know again no real easy access to the internet but also like you know to aj what you're saying of like grave sin of you know like i watched it on the the family tv in the tv room as like i yeah. would i remember like late night you know watching like the on oxygen low, there'd be like, like softcore <laughs> porn sometimes like late at night and i'd like go yeah. and watch it but like volume down 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 because one <laughs> ear is listening and the other ear is listening to the tv and so you know the sort yeah. of taboo kind of sneaky yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's it is sort of uh it's one of those shows that it was very hard to convince your friends was real on the playground like i would go the next day and say so there's there's a giant hand right but it's 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 a photorealistic it's just like a regular hand right and it comes down and it picks up this iron and it's gonna iron out the okay so for it to iron out the world it's like <laughs> brains have like grooves in them right and so it's gonna make them all smooth and where are you going well, please I, I have pokemon cards uh, will that make me popular <laughs> And before that, you have to like, right, because that's episode six. You have to be like, okay, well, but okay, but so first the woman who then she hits this kid with her guitar (laughs) and her Vespa. And so then that and then robots out of his head. Yeah. So that that brings us to to the first episode, I think. So we start with uh, this scene with Naota and Mamimi. Yeah. Mamimi. His his brother's girlfriend, if I understand that correctly. Mm -hmm. So I just watched this show yesterday. So um, (laughs) this is all completely new to me. Yeah. Um, Nauta is our protagonist. He's 12. He's chilling. He's a little bit sullen because his brother is off. They're in Japan, but his brother is off in America pursuing a career in Major League Baseball. Uh, And, and, you know, his brother's girlfriend is is horned. Yeah, super horned. She's horned up. It is. Uh, it is certainly one of the horniest shows that I think I've ever it's, seen. It's as well. a horny opening. It's yeah. uh, you know she basically pounces on him right at the beginning. Yeah, she's describing uh, tips for holding a bat, which are. I mean, the show yeah. is chock full of double entendre, but this specifically being, mm-hmm. you know, baseball being a central metaphor of this whole thing for sex, but also tied in with the loss of his brother. Like mm-hmm. there is so much happening even in this first scene. Um, and you know, the creators of Fooly Cooly really set out to create a thing that was only six episodes, but was so densely packed with stuff that you'd be able to pick out little new things every time you watched. And, uh, of course, when the first time I watched this, I was what, like 12, 13 years old. So I, I did not understand any of the references, uh, including the, the, the baseball stuff, but more importantly, the horns that would eventually come out of Nauta's head. Right. They're by the riverside in this first scene, and uh, she pounces on top of uh, Nauta in, I guess, sort of a way of like him representing her boyfriend, who is now in the States, trying to reclaim and recapture that relationship. Um, it seems like everybody in this world is trying to recapture something that they actually can't ever get again. Yeah, there's um, sort of like some transference mm-hmm. going on there, because... Uh, you know, she obviously she's a teenager and he's 12. And so she doesn't really like have a whole thing for him. Exactly. It's more like what he represents in a way. It's mm-hmm, the fact yeah. that he is in many ways the living connection to and memory of his big brother. And his brother is such a weird figure, too, because he's he might as well be dead. 
Like mm-hmm. the, you d- yeah. they don't have any contact True. with him at all. He's just like this weird dark cloud kind of hanging over his household. You briefly see a picture uh, yeah. of him. Not not entirely. His face his is face, obscured yeah. with his new American girlfriend. I love the design of Naota. I think he looks like a reverse Ash Ketchum. And uh, a little hmm. bit like Lil Slugger from Paranoia Agent. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, it looks a lot like Lil Slugger. I couldn't find any sure. direct references saying that it was it was a it was like a. I couldn't find anything that said it was a direct reference. Uh, I just, yeah. Yeah. Cooley, I mean, but it's hard not to see it. Yeah. yeah. He's Shinji adjacent also. Yeah. But like, they're, they're, <laughs> I mean, in, in a number of ways. Shinji ways and too, like Ness like, and yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, God, yeah, yeah. yeah, I didn't even make the Ness connection. Um, uh, so so Nauta and Mamimi are walking across the bridge. Then he gets struck by a Vespa <laughs> and also a bass guitar. Right. And the scene changes animation style six times. Uh, conservatively six, yeah. <laughs> There's a great, like, it, it even goes completely, like, CGI, 3D, with the camera rotating around. And then it cuts away mm-hmm. to, like, everyone in, like, a bus... And someone's like, oh, yeah, those slow motion scenes are really hard because you have to, like, hold your face there the whole time. They're like, wait, the slow motion is like you just acting in slow motion. And then it cuts away from that back into the show. And and already you get a feel from this of, like, how meta the show is going to be. (laughs) The way that it jumps in and out of different animation styles. It's frequently commenting on itself. It's frequently breaking the fourth wall. Commenting Um, on other anime. Right. And it doesn't even break the fourth wall, like, in the same way like that doesn't like that cutting away to them sitting on a bus and As talking if they're about the process in a thing, yeah. that never happens again right no. there are a couple times that they reference that they are in a show but they never mm-hmm. reference that they are actors in a show mm-hmm. ever again yeah. it really is this whole show is throwing the kitchen sink at the wall and seeing what sticks someone had brought up uh, Shinji earlier and the thing that I think it really does share with Evangelion is that even though this scene is so Looney Tunes he gets caught up in the Vespa's front wheel and then goes through the back like uh like a like a piece of taffy and then gets thrown yeah. into the air there are moments like that that are immediately like contrasted with just silence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just like earth shattering like lonely silences i i think that's one of the big reasons why it it made the impact that it did particularly in the states not so much in japan uh, haruko is the woman on the vespa she has struck this child and is calling him by a different name and leaves <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's just. Is she the first one to call him Takun? Well, she calls him Tarokun. Tarokun, yes, yes, yes. yes. Right. And then that somehow right, that right, right. that ends up shortening down to Takun. Well, because Takun, but then also, um, and I could be wrong, but I, I think Nauta's brother is Taskun because then Mamimi refers to oh, both okay. Nauta as Takun, sort yeah. of as a nickname, but then also like her various pets that she kind of gathers along the way. Mamimi's whole journey in this show, I think, is probably one of the most interesting. Uh, and it was something I didn't really clock the first time I saw the show. But Yeah, me either. Because she's like kind of like frumpy and just kind of dopey and like not, I think, terribly exciting right. to a kid or like upon first watch. But then like she's she's kind of the hero of this thing. Like she... She's the one who gets out of this small town where nothing ever happens. Well, and it's interesting that that idea of nothing ever happens. Like after this this weird moment where he gets hit by the bass guitar, Nauta like says nothing happens in this town, and we get a little like layout. We see this giant factory in the north end of town that is just a, a large iron, which occasionally emits steam out and from like, underneath it. There really isn't much that happens in this episode, but it just it all happens so. Ebulliently. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> like he goes to dinner and 
you know, the whole dinner is a manga. That whole that whole manga sequence then is so violently aggressive. Everyone is screaming for the entirety of it, mm-hmm. and it's revealed that uh, Haruko, uh, the woman on the Vespa, I should say alien on the Vespa, has uh, become the new housekeeper for Naota and his family. Uh, Naoto lives with both his father, who is the uh, pervious man, perhaps, uh, on the face of the planet, and his grandfather, who, in this first scene, massages imaginary breasts for three solid minutes straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the entire bit is that he's just feeling up imaginary boobs. And they bring up this word, this phrase, fuli to describe what Naoto has been getting up to down by the river with Mamimi. And it's implied that this is a slang word for specifically like shameful sex, but I was wondering if anybody had any more specific definitions for fully coolie. Right, I don't know if there's like an official translation, Let's right? But, but um, I really don't think there is. Um, right, but yeah, it's sort of a shameful sex act or um, fondling generally, yeah. like they, kind of they, gross fondling, uh, but they, also they, it is like just nonsense. True, like fully yeah. coolie is nonsense. Uh, um, according to... Urban Dictionary. Oh, oh good, boy. good. Yes, Fully coolie means, means to fondle a woman. It is usually specific to breasts or the ass, but can refer to any part of the body. That's the top one there. Uh, on on Reddit. I love pe- to fully coolie someone's nose. Cool. <laughs> and then on Reddit, of course. <laughs> nostril it's, it's, both at once. Somebody asked uh, what fully coolie means, and naturally it's just people quoting that scene in the show. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a Mimi type of thing, a dreamy type of thing. The main character is always supposed to know that kind of thing. You do it like this with your hands. See, it's, it's that Tomino-esque thing saying it's Gundam, but really it's a giant robot anime, right? Um, it, well, yeah. And that, like, yeah, th- there's all this discussion going on about like Evangelion and about Gundam. Then the bump on on Naota's head turns into a, a Gundam. Throughout all six episodes, the basic structure of the thing is there will be a problem introduced. Uh, Naoto will have another bandage on his body somewhere uh, that will then erupt into a giant Gundam-esque thing to fight. Well, and then the Gundam becomes like they're made. Yes, of course. Uh <laughs> He will later be named Conti, but for now, he is just a giant robot with a television for a head, like a CRT Medical TV. Medical Mechanica robot, which is that uh, iron, that factory. Yes. Uh, I, I do want to talk for a second, though, about going back to what I think, AJ, you were saying about, like, really capturing the feeling of having an out-of-control... Erection? <laughs> yes. Honestly, yes. Yeah, yeah. First of all, the whole thing is triggered... By Mimi says that she's overflowing. <laughs> yes, that, uh, that's the thing that she says when she pounces on him. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very, and, and so there, this is clearly there's something going on in him too. Like he's feeling something that he doesn't quite understand. This is represented, of course, by the gigantic robot popping out of his head, which is also a boner. Which, like, which, yeah, before being yeah. a robot is just a horn. It's just a, a horn, horn on he's, his forehead. He is horny, and and there's this local folk myth that's going around that. This woman on the Vespa is a demon, right? And that when a demon touches you someplace, if that leaves a mark, if that makes mm-hmm. uh, uh, leaves a color or a swollen spot, then that means you have something that to feel guilty about. It, that's so also you're sort of a carrying a little, sin with you. That's also <laughs> sort of a little play on the translation um, for Vespa and wasp. 
because oh, there's not okay. a W sound Ooh. in Japanese. So like oh. Vespa wasp, because they call her a wasp woman or the Vespa woman. She stings you. Um, is sort of also a play on that in the translation. <laughs> I do love that stinging in this case is being run over by a Vespa. <laughs> Just a mild Leaves sting. Leaves a mark. Yeah, and it sure, and it he's, sure you know, it's, it's interesting to me, too. Like, he's more embarrassed about the mark. I mean, because it's a gigantic phallic horn out of your forehead. So I suppose that makes sense. But, like, covering that up with the Band-Aid, but as opposed to, like, the hickey that Mamimi gives him, he's, like, not putting... Because she's like, oh, do you want a band-aid for this? He's like, eh, no, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, There is no one more apathetic to his fate than Naota, I think, at any given point. He is, he just Mm -hmm. doesn't care. He just wants people to leave him alone. It it seems to be like everyone, everyone is desperate to do fooly-cooly with this child. And he's just (laughs) like, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm 12 and I should just, uh, I don't want to drink sour drinks. Right. Yeah. He doesn't like spices or, or anything sour or even stuff that's too fizzy. Taste, yeah, bland, right? mild like flavors. He knows what yeah. he likes, childlike, a little juvenile. Yeah, people use Naota as an outlet for their own desires and their own ends and their own needs. As we get into episode two, we have these conversations with Haruko, where you'll see them standing across the room, and then as the conversation goes on, their 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 body positions will change. They'll even change settings. They'll be in a different place. They'll be going from one place to another, and then they'll sort of end the scene with them exactly back where they were at the beginning. Almost as if it was simply like the feeling of the conversation that he was having with her that made it feel, oh, she's breathing down my neck or she's standing right up next to me. The the claustrophobia that that creates in that scene is really, yeah, really always stuck with me. So we begin episode two, Firestarter, uh, with, uh, <laughs> uh, with a starter. Twisted oh, Firestarter. Starter? It's, yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, we should probably take a moment to talk about how much the music in the show freaking slaps. Uh, the Pillows, uh, a Japanese uh, uh, pop uh, rock band, I guess is probably the best way to describe them. Yeah, I think um, so. They composed all the music for the show, and it fucking rules. Is is some of this music different in the dub? I watched the dub, which is what you're supposed to do. Who, I don't, who, who I don't told is, you that? <laughs> is it different in the uh, in the subs or? I don't think so. I mean, some of the music feels very like. So it's. I mean, they. So the Pillows wrote two songs for the show, and then everything else is their. Backlog, which like they've been around since and been creating music since what like mid to late nineties, and then you know okay. the show being what two thousand, I think. Yeah, they yeah. Uh, they actually started uh, in nineteen eighty nine. Oh, there was definitely stuff in in the dub where it was like they made a bunch of Crystal Pepsi jokes. They were really good, had a very great mm. payoff, but I was like, there's no way that this was in the original. No, uh, that one actually was brought up specifically uh, as one of the biggest challenges with making Fooly Cooly was right. the translation because mm. it does there. It makes the original makes a lot of references to like very obscure uh, Japanese pop cultural stuff uh, and how to translate mm. that to an American mm. audience was a huge, mm. huge uh, hurdle, but um, that one in particular was made to be based on a Japanese soft drink that had also gone out okay. of style. It's interesting. A lot of the props are real objects. Haruko is holding a pair of binoculars at one point. They have Mamiya branding on them. Ooh, yeah, Olympus um, cameras. Olympus big... cameras was the other one. The both an Olympus point and shoot and an Olympus SLR. Mm-hmm. All of course Japanese brands, but 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 also just popular cameras in their own right at that time too. And then there's this 
this weird little handheld game that's being played in this Firestarter episode that's also, I think, just called Firestarter. Yes. And she's playing on what kind of looks like a phone. I don't think it's like a Game Boy. Looks more like it's, an Atari Lynx. Okay. I don't think it is, but it, that's what it looks like. It's, it's yeah. more along those lines. And it's a game about just burning buildings down like a Max Frisch character. In in honor of a god named Conti uh, within the game. Uh and, uh, and you so have- Conti is the name. I'm I'm putting these pieces together as we're going. So Conti is the name of the TV-headed robot maid yes. that came out of Naoto's head. Yes, correct. Uh, which he is given. Uh, Mamimi gives him the title of Conti. Uh, because, because she's been playing this game. Okay. Yes, and uh, because it's revealed that her high school uh, and also Nauta's older brother's high school was burned to the ground uh, years ago in an act of arson that may or may not have been Mamimi. Probably uh, was. It's pretty pretty heavily. It's implied. heavily implied that it is, but well, it's never it outright their said. Elementary school, actually. Oh, it was an elementary school. Right, because I mean, in the show itself, I mean, this was like years ago. It is, and I could be wrong. Years ago, and at the point that we, you know, of the TV show, Mamimi is, I think, high school. 17. School, high, yeah, school, yeah, high school, yeah. So, but it was like years ago. We had an arsonist at, at my high school once. Really? There was a guy who graduated from <laughs> from my high school and then uh, somewhere along the way became a, a volunteer firefighter and decided, I guess, he wanted more work. I don't know. He was into it. He was into the fire. He was, he was more he into the really fire part than, I guess, the putting it out part. Yeah. So yeah. he had apparently burned down some abandoned houses on the reservation and then, I don't know, just got a little bit more bold. Hmm. And we, we had our buses inside of a big barn. Not all of the buses, but a handful of them. Uh-huh. And uh, he set the, the bus barn on fire. And Holy like three, shit. three, three wow. buses exploded. It was the Holy middle of winter shit. too, so you could just Whoa. see the whole thing smoldering for like the next month. He was in my brother's class. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what I call a wow. twisted fire starter, <laughs> folks. Um, the the, the oh, other Jesus. So to go back to the the episode then for a second, the other big thing that we've learned alongside all this stuff about Mamimi and her pyromaniac tendencies yes. is that Naoto now has a portal in his head that is able to suck things in from other dimensions. Uh, his his head is which he has no control over. Right. Yeah. Uh, but his head is empty now. His his head is empty. <laughs> yeah. No thoughts. <laughs> no thoughts. Just vibes and just robots. Vibes. And robots. Um, yes. It, actually, when they take an X-ray of his head, uh, when Haruko, disguised as a nurse, takes uh, X-rays of his head, it reveals there is nurse. no brain in there. Yeah. A very sexy nurse. Um, she's also tied up the real nurse and doctor who are just off camera. Which is pretty um, fun. Right. Which is like they find that out, and that's why she's under investigation for the arsons as well but it's like no she just assaulted a doctor and a nurse yeah it's completely separate from the arson case because again to be clear haruko is a chaos agent who is also kind of a pedophile there's a lot going on here well does it work okay so like you know when it's like oh i'm not a pedophile she's actually a fifteen thousand year old dragon right does it then work as like oh (laughs) she's not a pedophile she's technically like a 10 year old space alien it, well, is she a ten-year-old space alien? I, we do, We don't it's, have. It's the age, really but never she could, established. She could be. I do love though how they refer to her. They're like, "Oh, she's what twenty, an adult." And thinking now, yes. like yeah. twenty-year-olds yeah. as adults, they're just yeah, no. fucking barely <laughs> she's ancient. Y'all? Twenty years old. Um. Yeah. No. Uh. 
Steve Bloom also makes a uh, a cameo as a security guard uh, in this episode, oh, which I thought is, was very um, lovely. Isn't he one of the students as well? Like uh, now to his buddies. Oh yeah, I think he friends. is. That's right. The the is he the smooch kid? Family is he the kid the who's like truck. really? Yeah, they just yeah. keep saying smooch over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, he loves he loves talking about smooching. Um, there's a lot of like there's a lot of Shin Chan energy in a lot of this. I never watched much oh, Shin Chan. Sure. But like, especially when that kid is like, his lips are kind of flying away from the rest of his body. Becoming and he like gets their own little snake of, monster. Yeah, these yeah. sort of accented, very smashed figures. There's another dinner scene. I don't, I don't think it's this episode. I think it's another one where the whole, the character models c- kind of look like Shin Chan models. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But so many of these references are going completely over my head. Every once in a while, it's like, oh, there's Looney Tunes. Like the part in this episode where. With the hospital? Where the oh, no, I was thinking with, with her, with, um. Haruko's helmet and she like ducks down but the mm. helmet stays up there oh, and, yeah, her yeah, yeah. Eyes, and her eyes are, and you can yeah, see yeah, her, yeah. her like ocular nerves pull the eyes back yeah <laughs> well later on there's a very in, in a couple episodes later there's yeah. a South Park reference yes um, <laughs> yeah with uh with, with the commander uh who we'll get to in his which uh, apparently for for the already small Japanese audience that this show even had would have gone completely over their heads at the time mm-hmm. like South Park didn't have really any cultural position in Japan at this point sure I mean it was it's also just a very striking animation style you know yeah. it's yeah. so jarringly different than everything that comes before it because I think it's I think they're referencing Jojo's before that like they're switching back and forth between yeah, South there's... Park and Jojo but getting back to Firestarter um so <laughs> I'm Firestarter twisted Firestarter um it turns out that there have also weirdly been a lot of fires happening all around town. Who's who's causing those fires? I'll be honest. I, at the end of the episode, I have no idea. Um, it, it may or may not be I'm, Mamimi. I'm almost certain it's Mamimi. Yeah. Especially since we see her in like uh, this arson shrine with like barbecue <laughs> lighters on her head. And also, given like later down the line, all she's like going around wreaking havoc, yeah, she stealing has people's phones and <laughs> right. feeding them to yeah, this is not, baby. This is, this is not a person with a, a great deal of regard for personal property. No, no. And uh, I do like that her prayer circle at the end is just made up of cigarettes, little cigarettes, <laughs> uh, all stood up end to end. Um, and also, like, as a high schooler, never knows best in the idea of, like, yeah, you write a thing, and it's, like... And you write, you write <laughs> a thing on your so... cigarette, and then it burns away, yeah. and you'll never yeah. see it again. Awesome. Yeah. So cool. Absolutely awesome. <laughs> but I did like, sort of, the audio-visual, the way that Naoto comes to his revelation that she is probably behind these arsons is really cool. The way that there's a lot of different animation styles going up against each other different dialogue is overlaid on top of each other. At one point, there's like three different layers of dialogue yeah. happening at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah. Um, really cool. This show does a really cool thing of having mo- the most important like expositional dialogue normally be commented on by the other characters saying, who cares? <laughs> Just like, um, and that translates, I think, to the main ethos of this show. Um, uh, the director uh, once said that comprehension should not be an important factor in Fooly Cooly. So So this is a preview. Hello. Hi, I'm Brian. And if you want to listen to the rest of this episode, including some of our weirder discursive bits, 
including references to that hand thing and Josh's terrible encounter at an immersive production of La Boheme in London, well, you're going to have to listen to the whole thing, which is over on our Patreon. You'll get to join the ranks of people such as our newest Grand Inquisitor, Mark Smith, and our Pangloss tier patrons such as Ashley Stoneman, Dara Swisher, Hanna White, Nikola Donov, Silverbear909, Timmy Sexton, and Tony Diddy. As always, have a good one. <laughs>